This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What's up, deucers? Before we get started with the show today, I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you, that's right, you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. The best part is, you can get all of this for only 15 bucks a month. And I can tell you that that's a deal from ex- the experience of being an independent podcaster. It's the wild, wild west out there, people. Blue Wire Hustle, it's a steal at 15 bucks a month. The same rate, it's the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you and you wouldn't get any of the other stuff. It would just be the initial setup and then you'd be left on your own. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports podcasting experience. But here's the thing. Acceptance to the program is limited, and that's in all caps, so you know it's limited. So get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com slash join. Check out the description in the description box on this episode to find out more, and I'll have a link there, but that's bw, bw, the word hustle, dot, com slash join welcome to the nba morning deuce for monday february 22nd alex please oh you caught me napping there i had to turn right turn my head right it's 10 50 p.m on the east coast and we got quite a weekend recap for you. We're going to go through all of the Sunday night games. We're going to hit you with a little bit of news, headlines, everything that happened over the weekend that we've not discussed since last episode on Friday. Uh, there is a game going on as we record. It's the Bucks and the Kings. Um, we probably won't have to get too deep into this game. Although last time we started recording in the fourth quarter of a game, it was, what was it, the Nets? And they ended up. Uh, no, I think that wasn't that Heat Warriors. I think it was the, it was a good Heat Warriors game no, that we were nope, tracking. Nope, that's wrong. Because uh, I would not have started before a Heat game was over. Um, but it was I forgot what game it was, and then it was the Nets. Warriors. I think it was okay. the Nets, and then Maybe. they ended up coming back and winning. Or it was Sounds the right. Suns? Somebody right. ended up coming back and winning. <laughs> we were like, oh, we don't have to talk about this game because they're gonna they're gonna win. This game's over, and then whoever they were playing it ended up coming back and winning. Yeah. I don't think that's going to happen in this Bucks game that I'm currently watching. Although the Kings have, they did go on a little bit of a run just now, but 
uh, my two takeaways from this game, if we do have to discuss any part of it, is the Bucks are doing exactly what we said they were going to do. They had to do over these next few games to save Budenholzer's job through All Star, which is just beat up on bad teams. They beat OKC the other night by double digits, and now they're beating the crap out of the Kings. And this is going to be just enough to save Budenholzer's job through All Star. And the other takeaway is every time I watch a Kings game now and they show Luke Walton on the bench, he looks like a broken down man who knows that his job is basically finished. This is the seventh loss in a row. In the Um, words, in the words, I'll paraphrase here. Paraphrasing the words of the great Silky Johnson. (laughs) What is there to say about the Kings that hasn't already been said about Afghanistan? They look bombed out and depleted. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I don't have any follow-ups. That, that's, let's, <laughs> let's leave that game with that. We don't even have to touch that game unless Sacramento does something unbelievable. Is that another reference that you don't get? It is, yeah. Jesus. I, how, like, what, what, what were we doing? How did we become co-hosts of a podcast? I, just, I was laughing at Silky Johnson, just the name itself. Chappelle Show? Player oh, Raiders Chappelle ball. show. I just, I, I'm not, I'm not, I've seen plenty of Chappelle show, just not quotable status yet. I mean, it's one of the most popular sketches in the history of sketch comedy. God, I, I, I'm starting to wonder here, man. Starting to wonder. Starting to wonder. Start getting my resume ready. Yeah. You might want to freshen up that CV. Okay. But anyways, there are, there are games worth talking about tonight. I'd say the most important one to talk about to start off with is this is the game that just ended before we got on the air, which is the Nets winning their sixth game in a row, beating the Clippers 112, 108, uh, now four in a row without Kevin Durant. And uh, I guess Steve Nash said KD's hamstring is trending in the right direction, but they're not, there's no timetable. They're not rushing it, uh, which is, I mean, obviously the right move with KD, but be, Besides from his hamstring trending in the right direction, I would say watching this team over the past week or so, they're trending towards unbeatable. And it, this team, it is, they're just absurdly talented. I, I, this is the Nets without KD beating a full strength Clippers team who at full strength just beat the Jazz, who have been the best team in the NBA this year and we're on another win streak. There's, Kyrie Irving is still having what what would be an MVP season on any other team. Harden has fit in flawlessly. They're just they're just so good right now. It's it's tough to see. I mean, a lot of teams in the East, and we'll talk about it, are starting to get healthy and start putting things together. But I don't see a team that right now that could put it enough together unless a move is made to really give this team a, a battle down the stretch the way they're already starting to come together. Yeah, I'm agreeing with you, Um, especially because on this, what, six-game win streak, it's all against tough teams except for the Kings. You know, it's not like they've just been beating up on bad teams. Um, And the scariest part is, like, they haven't played that many games together, all three of them, you know? KD's not even there right now. Like, by the time the playoffs roll around, if this team has – or the big three on this team have – 30 plus games together, like they're just going to get better. You know, Um, I I don't know. I think they're very clearly the favorite in the East right now. I don't even think that's even debatable the way they're playing. And uh, I would, I'd go as far as to say that 
obviously the Lakers, if AD is healthy, are the favorites. But this team, when they're fully healthy with KD, got to be 1A to win to be favorites to win the title because even as good as the Lakers are and as great as their defense is, which I've talked about a lot on this show, when KD's healthy, the way this team's playing, even the best defense in NBA history would have trouble. I mean, this is – I mean, they're just about as talented as that Warriors team was, just talent-wise. Now, obviously, that Warriors team was already one of the best teams in NBA history and was a great defensive team. But just in terms of offensive firepower, I mean, they're this big three – just purely talent wise is as talented. Plus they have the best shooter in the NBA at the moment in Joe Harris. I just, I don't know, man, they don't have a Draymond, which is a different thing, but it's going to be hard for any team to hold this team from scoring 120, 125 a game in a seven game series every night. Yeah. It's just such a unique situation because we've seen so many teams like this that are, that are unbelievable. Well, we haven't seen a team this unbelievable offensively. I'm saying, We've seen a ton of teams that are just like offensively unbelievable. And then their defense always becomes a concern, but this team's offense It literally might not matter. That's the craziest right. part. Um, I'm still inch. I'm fascinated to see come playoff time. If the defense is going to become an issue, that's like the one thing that that's because you just look at the team. It's not, it's not a good defensive team. It just isn't. And I'm just wondering if that's going to matter or not. Um, I would say to me, my my instinct is if Kyrie continues to play this way all year and in the playoffs, it won't matter. At least until they play the Lakers. If the Lakers are 100%. Mm-hmm. If the Lakers are not 100%, if 80s thing lingers or something else happens, there is no team better than this team at full strength right now. There, it, there just isn't. And and even, even with a full strength Lakers team, as good as this team, like you said, they haven't barely played all healthy together. They're probably going to bring in at least one or two more players because they're still not very deep up front. Like this team is just going to keep getting more and more comfortable with each other. Steve Nash is starting to become more and more comfortable as a head coach. Uh, From a talent perspective, it's going to be hard for any team to compete with these guys. Yeah. I'm trying to visualize a seven game series against top teams in the East. And I just don't think anybody has the firepower. I just don't even the defensive firepower, forget about the offensive firepower. It's more, does anybody have the defensive prowess in to, the East? Even slow them down. Slow these guys down. Yeah. Uh, because, I mean, look, the, the Jeff Green thing, we'll see what happens with Jeff Green tonight, which is a whole, which is a different, which is a whole other thing. Pat Beverly's a scumbag. Uh, set a, an, basically an illegal screen on Jeff Green and Jeff Green was down on the floor for a while. His shoulder, his shoulder looked messed up. He kicked, you know, the cooler over as he was leaving. So he's obviously in a lot of pain. Hopefully it's not bad for them because man, they're already shorthanded up front. Mm-hmm. So hopefully it's not like a serious injury, but when Jeff Green's healthy, he's playing really well. Like I know that like most teams that go super small, it's hard to win in a seven game series, but a team that can go super small and be, Kyrie, James Harden, Kevin Durant, Joe Harris, and Jeff Green. That's me. They're going to score. I don't care how good your defense. Like, who are the best defensive teams in the East? Philly is probably the best right now when they're 100% because of Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. The Heat have shown 
over the last this last stretch of game, a couple few games, that they can be an elite level defensive team. I mean, Boston, I guess when they're fully healthy, can be really good defense. But there's not none of those teams would scare me if I was Brooklyn defensively. Mm-hmm. Now the question becomes: Can they hold these teams? Like if I guess when you look at those teams, Boston would be the one where it's like that's they could the they could out. they could maybe if they're totally healthy and playing good basketball offensively, maybe can go toe to toe with them. But they don't have the they still don't have the firepower to outscore you if it's just a shootout series where you're mm-hmm. trying to outscore series, each other. Yeah. Thing. yeah, like Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown would have to do something otherworldly, which maybe they're capable of, but something astronomical to win that series. So I, I don't, I don't think it's impossible, but it just looks like the Nets are trending towards a finals appearance, and and it's going to be fascinating. I cannot wait till playoff time. So a lot of regular season left, but yeah. The other thing about this game, just to at least mention, is it was a four point game. Nets were up by like four with three and a half, four minutes left, and they benched Paul George because of he's he's on like a minutes limit because of his injury. He was playing. He was playing fantastic too. He he had a great game, which a lot of people not happy about. Don't understand, which I I agree with. Jeff Van Gundy was just like on the broadcast, just like how can you? These are the he was like I think his comment was these are the games you live for. Mm-hmm. He was like if I was Paul George, I'd be running out there, let the trainer tackle me to not go up back on that court mm-hmm. with four minutes left down four. Uh, I just look. Paul George has been through a ton in his career, obviously injury wise. I just w- this in the current NBA where it's all anybody ever talks about is how soft the NBA is. It doesn't get, I don't think it does gets talked about enough how much Kawhi Leonard and Paul George rest. And it's it it just, it, it's pretty wild. Like LeBron's just out there playing every night at he's almost 40 years old. <laughs> I mean, he's in his eighth, 17th, 18th year. He plays every game. Most stars play pretty much every game, other than I mean these two, and I guess Joel Embiid. Yeah, and well, Embiid, <laughs> Embiid missed his first two full seasons, so that one's a little like that one. He's well, I mean, got a bubble wrap. The guy, well, pa- much, Paul, Paul George snapped his leg in half. That's so. true. Um, for me, it's just like this is a game where you can learn so much about where you actually stand among the elite teams. Mm-hmm. So if you're the Clippers, you've got Sacramento coming up in two days. Like, let Paul George go five more minutes and give him a rest against Sacramento. Like, Good point. Like, come on. I mean, really? What do you you're, you you you've got something to learn? It's not like mm-hmm. five minutes here is going to save him. If he if he gets hurt, I mean, I don't think it's because he went five extra minutes. But that's just that's how I look at it. That's a good point. No, it is a good point. I didn't even, I didn't even look at their schedule coming up, but it's a great point. I, it's weird. I get it. You got to keep these guys healthy. And the way the league is this year with so many guys getting hurt and soft tissue injuries and all that stuff, it's like you don't want to risk it because there's a bigger picture here for this team. But like you said, you don't have a lot of opportunities on national TV playing the top-tier teams in the league to go out and make a statement. Mm-hmm especially coming off of such a huge win again. I mean, beating Utah was a huge, a huge win. Yeah. Big win. Um, did I mention Pat Beverly's a scumbag? You mentioned it, but we did not elaborate. Um, I mean, there's not a lot to elaborate. He set a dirty screen. Mm-hmm. He threw his shoulder into Jeff green. Jeff green got hurt. And then Pat Beverly complained that it wasn't a foul. It's just like, it dude, was you're already big. a waste of space on the floor at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and then this, it's just like, uh, he's, I'm shocked that they haven't made a move to go get a better. No, it's just like, this team is so freaking good with like their, their big, their biggest and best players. But then you've got Pat Beverly and I'm really souring on Zubats. I think he, he kind of stinks, but it's just like two guys getting major minutes just to me are not even close to championship caliber players. Um, so I think it's a huge problem for them. Beverly more than Zubats, but they've got glaring holes to me. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. They're playing really, they've, they've started to put things together and play really well. So we'll see the, the, the resting players things just crazy to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, mentioned that teams in the East starting to get things together. One of those teams just like in a strange way is Toronto. Uh, they have now won four in a row since going to this super small ball lineup with, I guess, basically, I guess you could call Siakam their center, but they're really just playing no center. Yeah. Right. Uh, and this is without Kyle Lowry still with his ankle injury. Um, here's the thing. I didn't watch a ton of this game. I watched the end of it. You watched the whole thing. So you could probably talk about it a little more. I get it what that 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 this that the Raptors they decide I guess they've made the decision as an organization that they're not going to be bad and they want to make the playoffs. And it's fine. You make adjustments. Good organizations are able good coaches, good organizations are able to adjust and and figure things out. This team is going nowhere with this lineup. Like they have even with bring Kyle Lowry back, that's fine. You have no chance against a good team in the play. Like this team is they're going to be fun. People are going to get excited. They're going to win games with the small lineup and they're going to lose in the first round to mm-hmm. any good team in the East, including the Pacers. Like they will lose to any team. This lineup will lose to any team in the first round. So uh, I'm with I, you. I I just I, it's, it's one of those. Sorry, hold on. It's, it's just that I talk a lot about how I want teams to compete, right? I hate when teams are openly not competing. I understand. So I'm kind of like contradicting myself here, but this does nothing for this organization because this team is, it's not like they're adjusting to go make a, a playoff run. They're adjusting literally just to make the playoffs and lose. Yeah. Um, I think their hand is kind of forced because of the bad contracts. They've like, they're in just absolutely zero position to restart and rebuild when you're paying Siakam and an and Fred Van Vliet that much money for the next, I think three to four years. So I just, I, I just don't think they have an option. Maybe their long-term plan is to see if they can trade Siakam for so – I, I don't know. I don't know what they're, they're planning to do. Um, but I know that people in Toronto are, are wild about that team, although most of their games are still in Tampa, right? They're still playing. In a, they're, all, they're in Tampa all year. They're yeah, they're in Tampa all year. So they've never been an organization to me that, that were like tanking or, or like a serious rebuild is even on the radar. Um, but I'm, I'm with you. I don't think this team has any shot of getting out of the first round. That being said, they're playing fantastic defense. Um, they're, they're a good team. They're the definition of a good team. You know, that's what they are. They're, they're an seven or eight seed and they're going to get destroyed. I think in a seven game series in the first round. Um, I mean, they're the way they're playing, they could sneak into a four, five or a four seed in the East as the East is just, yeah. it's, a, it's all up in the air right now. Mm-hmm. I just don't think they're going to be able to sustain this. And I mean, mm-hmm. the, the Sixers went, had a seven or eight minute stretch in the fourth quarter where they didn't hit a field goal. So, I mean, that's your, like, you're just not going to, you're never going to win a close game when, when that sort of stuff happens. Sixers were winning the whole way. Um, 
And Embiid probably had his worst game of the season, although he had 25 points. He was six for 20, which is just brutal. Simmons played great. Um, yeah, th- this to me was more of a good defensive performance sent the Sixers into a huge, huge lapse. I mean, and that's been a concern for a couple of years with this team is when they just disappear for like a whole quarter. So, yeah, I mean, it's, I, it's a concerning loss, but it's not the end of the world. It's not it's not horrible. Yeah, I didn't like I said, I didn't watch the whole game, but I will say the one thing that's most concerning just looking at the box score is and this has been the thing for years with this team. Bad game from from Seth Curry. Bad game for the Sixers offensively. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they, they've 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 set up this roster construction to where they have this every year. They have the one guy who's their or, the, or where they need that one guy who's that knockdown shooter. And if he doesn't play well for their offense, doesn't work, I guess. Mm-hmm. But also, I would say this. If you're Joel Embiid, you can't drop 50, go to the post game and say no one can stop me. And then come out against a team that's starting Pascal Siakam at center and have a, your, one of your worst games of the year. Yeah. It's just Six bad. It's just yeah. not, not, I mean, what, come on. Like, what, I mean, he did get to line 14 times, 17 rebounds. So he didn't have a bad, but like no one can stop me. And then against one of the small, the smallest team in the league right now. Come on. It's just, it's, not I, a good look. it's just, yeah. I love Joel Embiid. I really do. But he, he, I think he likes manufacturing these sound bites. Like he likes how that sounds, you know. And he, I don't think he. I know. Like, you're, you're like this I, is just. NBA. I mean, this is what the NBA is now. Yeah, yeah. Guys just coming out and just saying things without really considering what they're saying. Mm-hmm. It just, it's it's a bad look for him. You know. It was a terrible. It was six for twenty. Is I mean, really not good for him. The East is so weird. This whole this whole year is just such a strange year. I mean, between uh, the bet- like right now between the four seed and the thirteenth seed, it's only a four game difference. Amazing. So this is it's going to go down to the wire, and especially because of the playing thing, it's going to be interesting all year. But it's like interesting in a good and bad way. Like it's interesting because there's seemingly are these a bunch of really like these teams from four to 13, are they a bunch of good teams that are just waiting to hit their stride? Or is it just a bunch of bad teams that aren't going to hit their stride at any point and are just fighting to be the team that gets beat by Brooklyn? <laughs> yeah. I got to think, I do think the Celtics are are a really good team that is underachieving to this point. So I see them moving up like, but then the rest of this team, these teams, well, we don't know what Miami is. I'm sure we'll, we'll get to that, but like, yeah. They're confusing. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think there's four very, very good teams and one great team with the Nets. Yep. Uh, well, one of the teams that is in that mix is Atlanta, who are now doing uh, doing exactly – well, not exactly what I, what I thought, but what I thought there was a chance to do happen, which was – now this is their third game with Nate McMillan coaching and they're playing their best basketball of the year. They've won two, they're two and three, they're, they're two and one in the last three with Nate McMillan and they beat the Celtics. They lost the Celtics, but again, we talked, we've talked a lot about how winning those back-to-backs or playing these teams twice in a row, it's tough to win both games. Mm-hmm. And then they, they beat the breaks off of Denver tonight. And 
I also mentioned how, like, wouldn't it be something if all of a sudden with Lloyd Pierce gone and Nate McMillan running the team, Trey Young just has like this resurgence, at least efficiency wise over the past three games, 61% from the field, 47.8% from three. He's averaging 35 a game over the past three. He's playing. That's not even just the best basketball of the, of the season. That's the best basketball of his career. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they're just offensively, which has been their struggle all year. They're just playing incredible with naming. <laughs> it's, nah, Do you think there's any like specific things they're doing differently or, or is it kind of like a feel type of thing? I, I don't know. I honestly, I didn't, I didn't, I haven't really watched a ton of what they're doing, but I got to think there's some, there's something that Nate's doing. I I don't, Mm -hmm. I don't know. I I really don't know. I think Trey is not taking as many threes, which is something he's he's just 11 of 23, um, which I guess is like seven a game, a little over seven a game, but I I just, I, I, I don't know. I would be lying if I told you I knew because I haven't really focused in on them that much. Right. But I don't think it's a, a major, I don't think it's a huge coincidence that they suddenly are playing really great, really, they're playing be- the best basketball, at least that they've played in the last month with Nate McMillan coaching them. A guy yeah. who should never have been fired in the first place. That it's, was crazy. That's why I'm saying, like, we talked about it when when the news came out that Lloyd Pierce was leaving to go, you know, be with be with his family for the birth of his child. You got, I obviously can't knock the guy for it, but man, what a risk when your team's playing as bad as they're playing and you have a guy as your associate head coach or first assistant coming in, who has proven to be a very good coach in this league and probably shouldn't have lost his job. Like you're truly, it's just, it's a, it's a risk. Mm-hmm. And what would really exacerbate this is if when Lloyd Pierce does return, Trey Young plays horrible <laughs> again, that would be like, okay, there's really something here. I, um, I Googled Lloyd Pierce during this game, and there are a lot of Hawks fans out there that are starting to get on this trip on this train. Like, look at how good they're playing right now. Yeah. It's, uh, I never like, again, I, I just, don't, I don't like to, I'm not advocating for this. I'm just saying it's, it's one of those that you run the risk. If you choose to walk and go do that, which by every right, it's probably the right move go be with your family during that situation. But now, like you said, if he comes back and they don't play well, a team that's supposed to be good. So this is supposed to be a good team this year. Uh, they're now, I mean, now they're a game and a half out of the eight seed right now. Which is ridiculous being four games under 500. Right. But. Well, again, there's only five teams above 500 in the East right now. So, uh, I mean, we'll see how it goes, but they're playing much better and it'll be interesting. It'll be really interesting to monitor whether or not they're able to keep the economy is made up of real people doing real stuff and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. Get going. The Nuggets, on the other hand, 
another, I guess I would call this a bad loss, but Jamal Murray's just still balling out. He had, did you see what he, the other night he had 50. He was the first player ever in NBA history to have 50 points without going to the free throw line. That's absurd. My God. I didn't, I did not know that. Um, and then tonight he had 30. Uh, they just shut down Jokic. This is probably one of the worst games for Jokic all year, at, at least scoring wise. He only had 15. He only took 15 shots. Wow. Uh, that's a tough, that's another tough loss for these guys. And once again, oh, Bull Bull played 12 minutes. There we go. Which it seems like maybe they got forced into it because Jermichael Green didn't play. So they had to, they started Zeke Naji, the other rookie. Uh, so they're, they are also shorthanded. It's just becoming the story of the season with every team. It's like every team, it's like every time they lose a game, oh, well, they're shorthanded, which is true. They don't have their starting four and their backup four right now. And they, Will Barton came back. They still don't have Gary Harris. Like most of their road, that's three of their major rotation guys just not playing. So I think like to me, even seeing the game, the little bit of it that I saw, it's just, it's a good thing for them the way Jamal Murray's playing right now. Cause if they have any shot, they need him to be this guy, not the guy that was playing for the majority of this year. Yeah. And we we've seen this team rally around Mike Malone a lot. I mean, there's still two games over 500, um, but they're just, to me, they're underachieving because of how high my expectations were for them. But a lot of those expectations hinged on Jamal Murray being closer to what we saw in the bubble than what he's been throughout the season. So with him heating up, that gets me excited that they could they could get very hot and uh, and be one of the top teams in the West. Oh yeah, he he's since that game last week where he had 19 in the fourth quarter and he hit the game tying shot and he had 35 I think or something. He's been just balling out, so yeah. it's huge for them. They'll get healthy. They're a playoff team, obviously. We'll see what they're able to do in the playoffs in the West, but you know they are they're one of those teams you have to keep an eye on because of the Lakers situation. Yeah. It's like the whole West is up in the air, I guess, at that point, if the Lakers, that's going to be such a crazy story to keep an eye on. Definitely. Anthony Davis is not fully healthy. Cause I, yeah. And I just don't think it's out of the question to shut him down depending on, no, that's, that's total speculation. Oh my God. On Real absolute actual breaking news on the podcast. The Timberwolves just fired Ryan Saunders. Oh, wow. What? That's bizarre. Um, especially sucks, because their man. their best player has been out for most of the year. Oh man, that's a shit. That is shitty. That is shitty. Yeah. Oh man. Uh, I don't even know. Like, I don't even know what to say here. They lost and, the Knicks by four tonight. Not just that. Okay. They are hiring. Chris Finch from the Raptors to take over. So they hired a coach from another team in the middle of the season to take. So this has been in the works. Yeah, that's okay. That's now, not a good look. At now, all. now we'll talk about Draymond Green in a little bit, right? But you want to talk about what Draymond Green was saying the other day about no one blames the organizations for being fuck ups. They always blame the players. This is it. This is it. This is the epitome of can't get right they just hired this kid i call him a kid because i think he's my age ryan saunders whose dad did a lot for this organization before he passed away who they wanted to give him a chance like you said cat's been out most of the year 
him and D'Angelo Russell, who they just traded for to be their core two, have only played five games together. They just drafted the number one pick. They fire a guy and hire another assistant coach, which signals that they've been talking behind the coaches back to make this move. Like what the, I've never heard of anything like this. I've never heard of this before. Ever. I've not yet. Yeah, an interim always steps in, right? I mean, like you don't have your hire ready to go in the middle of the season. Right. I can't think of an instance. I'll be, this is going to be some, this is going to be, how does the league allow this? I mean, I'm blown away right now. How can the league even allow this to happen? How can the league allow a team to talk to another team's assistant coach during the season with the plan of firing their current head coach and bring in a coach from an, it just it doesn't make sense. It's definitely never happened before. There's no way it's been, it, it, there's no way it's happened like this at least where now, like, for example, when I was in Charlotte, when we fired Larry Brown, uh, everyone on Larry's staff was kind of older. There was no one on the staff that, that the, the organization wanted to be the, the interim. So they went and brought in Paul Silas, who was not coaching. He lived in Charlotte. He was close to the organization. He had coached with the organization before. They hired Paul Silas and brought in just other coaches who were out like to, to basically make up his staff for the rest of the year, which was also sort of an unheard of situation. Like I had never heard of anything like that before. Usually, like you said, there's always an interim, mm-hmm. but at least Paul at the time was not coaching. What we did was we, Steven Silas, who was coaching for the Warriors as an assistant, brought him to Charlotte to coach as an assistant for Paul. But it wasn't like there was like this huge thing in the works. It was, okay, let's bring in Paul. And Paul was probably like, hey, let's go get, if we can bring Steven in. I, I think my understanding of the situation was Paul came in under the understanding that I'll coach for a couple, I'll coach for a year or whatever. Let's bring my son in and then let's give him a chance to be the head coach when I'm done. But it was so bad. We won seven games that they had to like distance themselves from Silas. Mm-hmm. So he didn't get the job. That was unheard of at the time. I'm just blown away. Like this is totally throwing my focus off the rest of the show. Yeah, same. I'm, for, I'm, I'm got, like to understand how this is even a thing that could happen. I've got Woj and Shams. It's not. A, yeah, he's the new head coach. He's not interim at all. Damian Lillard. How the hell do you not hire David Vanderpool? He's right there on the bench. He's been in the front office successfully and on the front of a bench on a winning team successfully seven years, and also has played a major role in development of a dominant backcourt. Great question, Dane. How do you ask permission of another team during the season? Like, wh- that, yeah, without it getting out. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm trying to digest this because it. I, I, I don't see like. All right, so Woj just tweeted: hiring a coach off another staff during the season is uncommon, but Toronto wouldn't stand in the way of Finch's stance to become a head coach now. Finch had success as a G League head coach and has interviewed for several head coaching jobs in recent years. Uncommon seems like an understatement there, Woj. I, mean, I, I neither of us can think of of an instance. Didn't Ryan Saunders just get hired full time as the head coach, or was is no? Okay, he's been there for. A I think of it's, years. it was it was that happened two seasons ago. No, it was last year. So two seasons ago, I think he took over, and then last year they named him head coach full time. Okay. Yeah. Sounds right. So 
they go 19 and 45 during a pandemic and then come back, their best player hurts his wrist and has COVID. They start with the worst record. They fire the guy, but not only fire the guy, but have a replacement ready to go that's already coaching on another team. That's such bullshit. I've never, like, I've never heard of such bullshit. And I th- I'm pretty sure there's a coaches association the way there's a players association. They got to raise hell about this. Yeah. Like whoever represents the coaches, whether it's the agents or the coaches as an association, whatever it is, there's got to be an investigation in my opinion, like this fucking bullshit. I, I can't even believe that a coach that this could happen to somebody. How disrespectful, like how much, how fucked up of a move is that? I'm, trying to, I'm waiting for player reaction to come out because that that'll be the telltale. Like, it's just it. It's mind blowing, um, to have the the follow up waiting in the wings during the season. Carl uh, Anthony Towns hasn't said anything. Mark J Spears don't understand how Tim Rules associate head coach David Vanterpool does not finally get his chance to be head coach for his current employer. He's paid his dues, deserving, ready. Confused by this. Really weird. ESPN stats and info. T-Wolves went 43-94 and under Ryan Saunders, the third worst record in the NBA over that span, ahead of only the Knicks and Cavs. Saunders only got five games with Carl Anthony Towns and D'Angelo Russell together. That's the stat. It's five games with your two best players, and you're going you're gonna to fire him? Not even fire him, but plot out his replacement while he's coaching your team. That's the most messed up part to me. Minnesota is working to complete this from Mark Stein. Minnesota is working to complete the hiring of Raptors assistant coach Chris Finch by Monday. League sources say Finch and Wolves president Gerson Rose has worked together in Houston. One of the, the strangest moments on the entire pod, if not the strangest. I would, I would, I would even go further and to say that this is one of the strangest moments ever in the NBA. It's never happened. There's no way this has happened before. Everyone's yeah, confused. No one understands what's happening. It's crazy. Woj said uncommon, but I don't, I don't know, man. I, yeah. I mean, I think he's like Woj, Woj can't, Woj has to be these guys whose job it is, who are known as the newsbreakers and all this stuff have a responsibility to keep it professional, especially guys who work for the worldwide leader. But yeah. So Woj is not going to come out and be like, this is unheard of. This is bullshit. Like, Right, he needs to protect. That's going to be up to people like us who have no connections. Yeah, to the to any of those, but I mean, having like I said, like having worked in the league, having worked on many coaching staffs, including, look, I was in Charlotte for five years, and we had four different coaching staffs. I've been a part of firings. I've seen it happen. I just talked about the Paul Silas, the Larry Brown, Paul Silas thing. That they. I would imagine, again, I would imagine, and this is, I'm only speaking from experience because I was there. I would imagine that before they fired Larry Brown, MJ and Rod Higgins, who were the GM at the time, had to have had discussions with Paul. Like, hey, we're going to do this. Will you come in? But he wasn't coaching. That's where I don't understand. How is a team speaking to another assistant coach during the season about coming in and replacing a guy? And then also like, in our situation in Charlotte, it was Larry Brown. Like this stuff, Larry, Larry has never really left a place without there being some contentiousness and whatever. 
and I think the writing was on the wall there. They were going to go young. Larry, Larry was not the type of coach who was going to be in the long haul for a rebuild. He's a guy who wants to win. So the writing was sort of on the wall, like, hey, this is, this is it. For the T-Wolves, they, they, they never gave the guy a chance. They never gave him a chance. No. I mean, and especially with the ties, his family ties to the organization, you know, it's just so disrespectful. And, and then people, and here's, and, and it's amazing, like fans and amazingly fans, people want to talk about like, pe- like players and people should be loyal to organizations, man. Fuck that. Yeah. Listen, the Timberwolves 14 this- minutes ago tweeted out a thank you coach Saunders. They had a, somebody points out they had a graphic ready and already have a new head coach in place. My goodness. Timberwolves just classless. Um, you yeah, want, I, I mean, honestly, talk about the least loyal thing you can do. Fucking firing this kid guy, keeps saying kid, this guy in the middle of the season, not giving him a chance to play, coach the roster that you built to try to rebuild. The son of a guy who was the president and coach of the organization passed away with the organization. And also, by the way, drafted the guy who is your cornerstone of your franchise, Carl Anthony Towns. Mm-hmm. I would imagine Cat is not happy. I don't know if he'll address it. I don't know if he'll publicly come out and say he's unhappy. I don't know. I obviously don't know what his actual relationship is with Ryan Saunders, but I know when everything went down with Flip, when he passed away, it crushed Cat. Um, so I would imagine he's somewhat close, at least somewhat close with Ryan. Uh, I remember there's something like when Ryan got the job, I, I vaguely remember the team being really like there were being videos in the locker room of them being really excited about him getting the job. Like I vaguely remember that. So I think the players, I think the players liked him. I don't know that it's not on It's not uncommon for a new GM to come in and not want their, and, and want their own coach. So I get it, but you gotta let the guy coach out the season. Or yeah, or fire him, and then the interim should be a guy on the bench already, and then you reevaluate. He should have gotten a season. They're a third I, of the I way through. So. They're a third of the way through a a season that's a mess for every team. Mm-hmm. If you came, I mean, they came into the season. I'm assuming expecting to be better, but they are one of the hardest hit teams in the league. We talk about every team that's been hit hard. This team has just been continuously hit hard by everything going on this year. God, what a – yeah, classless is absolutely the way to say it. Unbelievable. I, I, that's – I've never – And they played – CJ McCollum, CJ, CJ McCollum quote tweeted Damian Lillard and just said, make it make sense respectfully. I mean, when NBA players on other teams are coming out openly being like, this makes no sense, what are we doing here? Like, I don't get it. Um, uh, what a wild, what a wild, wild. I mean, this is right in the wheelhouse of what Draymond was talking about, about how players get blasted for, for you know, things yeah. that appear to be not classy or... Loyalty, this, yeah. that, and then organizations just get, they they do what they want. And now it's, I mean, it's, People aren't going to react to it as much because it's a coach. Here's the thing. 
people are going to react to it like, oh, this is weird. Why did it happen? They're not going to react to it. Like, like some people will be like, oh, they're classless. But most people will be like, what a weird time. What a weird situation. But I feel like most people won't react and be like, oh, what a scumbag move, this and that. But again, this is just one of those organizations that's been a mess forever. They bring in a guy who's supposed to fix that. And then he makes, I mean, this is just a scummy move. It's a really shitty move. Will it, will it be the right move in the end? We'll see. Who knows? So Chris Finch has. We'll see. In three years, if they are uh, you know, in the Western Conference Finals with this guy, hey, look, it's a business at the end of the day. But, man, it sucks. That's a shitty way to, for that to go down. Uh, what game were we on? What were, we even, what were we even talking about when that happened? Um, I think we were talking about – we were Denver, on Atlanta. Atlanta, Denver. All yeah. right, well, we're done with that game. Yeah, we might as well um, just pop over to Minnesota Knicks right now. <laughs> well, we don't need to talk about that. I mean, they That's lost to the game. Minnesota lost to the Knicks tonight. They won. I mean, Julius. I, my only thing with that was that Julius Randle is just absurd, and if he mm-hmm. isn't in the All Star game, it would be just the biggest travesty I've ever seen. He's literally carrying that organization back to relevancy, and he's just so good. And yeah. he's, his game has evolved so much. He's one of the best wings, one of the best fours in the league by far right now. Um, yeah. But, and I'm getting more and more confident they're a playoff team. Yeah. Um, is there any other – I mean, there wasn't really any other uh, – oh, the Boston Pelicans game. Yeah. That. Um, so my big thing with Boston right now is Kemba's just – He's still not very good. He's up and down. He was awful. I mean, just awful in this game. And my concern stays the same. They were up 24. They were up 24 in this game. It's the biggest comeback in franchise history for the Pelicans. Wow. Um, My concern stays the same with them, which is that if all of their big top four guys are not clicking on all cylinders, this team is not built to go far. And that's including Marcus Smart, including Kemba especially now with Gordon Hayward out of the picture, they just, they can't afford games. It seems like we're all, at least these three are not clicking because they're just not, they have talent, but they don't have a lot of talent off the bench. Mm-hmm. I just, I don't know. I think Kemba, I think he, he's the type of player that needs too many shots and that's not what the way this team's built needs, right? Like if you could trade Kemba for two very good depth pieces, I think I would do it right away, you know, because you want your shots, the majority of them, obviously going to Tatum and Brown as your go-to guys. Um, and then just pass their, their four good players. Like you mentioned, there's not much there at all. Yeah. That, yeah. No, I mean, the, like, again, they have a lot of young guys who are going to be good. Nesmith is going to be good. Peyton mm-hmm. Pritchard's good. Robert Williams is starting to look like he could be a very good center in the NBA but not right now that not for a championship team. Like this yeah. is not, that's not the bench you want for a championship team. Uh, and the only guy that's not playing for them right now is Marcus smart. So it's not, it's, it's kind of concerning. Yeah. Um, for the Pelicans. Zion's he actually played really bad in the first half. Um, he only had like, he only took like five shots in the first half. Daniel Tice and, and Tristan Thompson were playing really good. Part of what they were doing that was interesting was a lot of times that he was at a lot of his opportunities, he was driving to his right, which I've told you he's not great going to his right. 
And I think that's part of the reason why he wasn't getting a lot of shots because he was driving right and having to give up the ball. Second half, that wasn't happening. He was just doing whatever he wanted. Um, I will be interested to see as his career goes on if he starts getting more charge calls because, like, he just puts his head down and just goes through guys. And, you know, like, I think against a guy like Tristan Thompson, they're probably not going to call it because Tristan's a big dude known as a defender. But against other, like, fours that are not mm-hmm. known that way, I'll, I'll be interested to see because he's so big. And when he goes downhill, he just puts his shoulder down and just goes. So a lot of them are charges. Yeah. Well, it also requires whoever's guarding him to <laughs> decide to take a chart. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it's it's a daunting task because these shoulders are bigger than my head. Mm-hmm. Um, th- my takeaway from this game, just looking at the box score, was it just makes so much sense with Brandon Ingram leading the team in scoring and then Zion. I mean, Zion had a great game with 28 as well, but um, it just points back to those stats you listed a couple shows ago where they're just so much better when when Brandon Ingram's scoring, you know? Mm-hmm. Um and they beat a great team. I mean, this is this is a they, this is a really good win for them. They did, although I will say this: they did when they were down two at the end of regulation. They did run the final play to tie the game for Zion. Wow! But it was a two point game, so it makes sense. Yeah. Most guys, if you can get the ball to him, even remotely one on one, there's not a lot of guys that are going to be able to stop him. He's just right. too strong, too quick, without fouling at the very least. You know, right? Which I probably would have done. Like I, Me too. but also. He's got that Shaq thing where it's like, if you don't foul foul him, he's going to score anyways mm-hmm. because of his athleticism, how strong he is and his body control at the rim. Like it's going to be, it's going to be really hard to foul him hard enough that he's not going to get a shot off around the rim. You know? Yeah. You froze on me a little bit there, but I thought you froze on me. Gosh dang internet. I mean, it's probably this uh, Saunders news jamming up my bandwidth here. Crashing everything. Yeah, that that really threw me off, man. That really threw me off. That really got, man. Um, Yeah, the other games, OKC beat Cleveland. uh, Not important. Orlando beat Detroit. Orlando is playing better, so good for them, but also not super important. Uh, a few things from the weekend that we, um, you know, we should probably just mention before we wrap up. I think really the two biggest things was the uh, the Draymond or the Draymond Green thing, and this is where, you know, I talked about earlier, like guys speaking out and then being and then then doing things that sort of make them look dumb for speaking out. Like Draymond Green comes out and says all this stuff about players getting respect and this and that. And then on Saturday against the the Hornets up two, he complains about a jump ball to the point where he gets a double tech gets ejected. The Hornets tie it up and then they lose because of it. Like whether you're right or wrong, Draymond, Doing this type of shit is the reason why people don't take you as seriously as maybe they should when you say these things because you do these things on the court. And this no. one is coach didn't even have his back. Steve Kerr said it crossed the line. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's not good <laughs> when your own coach doesn't have your back on, on uh, like a, a call like that. I, I don't know. It's really bad. Look, um, this is you pretty just, much three months been his whole, his whole career. It's just tough. It's like, how can you come out and be this leader and this proponent? Like, Oh, 
players need more respect, but then you do this and cost your team a win. Like mm-hmm. in a game where I was getting ready to say, I was getting ready to say teams around the league need to take note from the warriors in this game because Steph Curry didn't play. And he was a late scratch right before the game. Cause he wasn't feeling well, not COVID just wasn't, they didn't actually haven't really said what it is, but he just wasn't feeling well. So he didn't play. And I was, my whole thing was going to be all these teams complaining that they're not healthy need to take a page out of the Warriors book and stop bitching and just play because mm-hmm. the Warriors, there was no, the Warriors should have won that game. And they're, I mean, they're, they should be awful without Steph Curry, like absolutely awful. And they still almost beat a, a pretty solid Charlotte team. But I couldn't say that because Draymond blew it. Yeah. Crossed I could still line. say it. Yeah. Draymond crossed the line. Uh, the other thing, the other big news out of the weekend, which now is kind of getting weird, is that the that Boogie and the Rockets are reportedly going to part ways. Now, when it was first reported, it was reported as Boogie and the Rockets are parting ways, and it was there they are considering going a little bit smaller and going all in on Christian Wood when he's healthy as their five. Boogie wasn't going to get a lot of minutes going forward. So they were going to let him go somewhere else. They guaranteed his contract the day before this came out. So, you know what, no matter what happens, good for them. They're paying yeah. him the money. They, they guaranteed him. It's a, it's a good gesture. Talk about, I mean, that's an organization. Hey, that, that type of stuff I think doesn't go unnoticed with players. Like, Hey, we're not, we're going to let you go. We're not, you're not in our plans anymore, but here's the money that we signed you for. Good luck. Mm-hmm. But now the reports are, Within the coming days, they're going to part ways. And Steven Silas was asked about it today and said, he's here at practice. He's here for tomorrow's game and moving forward. I know there are rumors out there as to what's kind of coming, but those are just rumors. Interesting. I missed the latest on that. That's crazy. Uh, I'd be shocked if he plays on Monday. Yeah. I mean, I, I can't imagine he's going to play if this is, but if they haven't already parted ways, then I don't really understand what, I'm wondering if they're working on a trade, if they realize he actually has trade value or something. I wonder if he does have trade value. And there's been like every team has been reportedly interested. Like obviously the Lakers where he was, I saw the heat. I saw, I mean, I saw like 15 teams. Mm -hmm. I've seen him play a couple of times and we both mentioned this, like when he plays, he's good. And we both said like, they just feel like they can't play him major minutes because of maybe they just haven't been playing in major minutes because they don't want to play him. Maybe he could play more minutes. But I'll tell you, there's a lot of teams in the league that could use a, a guy who can go out there and get you 14 and eight mm-hmm. right now. No, I'm, I'm confident he can deliver a very solid 15 minutes to a contender. You know, I just I don't think his legs can hold up, you know, much more than that. And in crunch time defensively, um, any any one of these teams that we've talked about could use him right now. Literally any of one Brooklyn Lakers, Clippers, Heat. Uh, even Boston, I mean, any of these teams could literally. Boston use. makes a lot of sense with how bad their bigs are. Um, uh, well, offensively. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, if this happens, he's just going to be another buyout guy where I guess he's not really a buyout. He's just, but that'll join, you know, Blake Griffin when that happens, Andre Drummond, whenever that happens, it's going to be, there's a lot of interesting bigs looks like that are going to be available out there to uh, potentially, Go to, I mean, it looks like at least it looks like all these contenders have a shot to get at least one of them. 
yeah, somebody that can help at the very maybe not like change what you're doing, but yeah. help at the very least. And then there was an wasn't there another one that we were talking about that was potentially a trade? Um another big that could potentially get traded. I forgot. Who'd who you just list? Blake Griffin, Drummond. Blake Griffin, Drummond, Boogie. Yeah, I'm trying to think. There was somebody else that we were talking. Oh, Horford potentially yeah, if a Horford, team maybe wants to go after him, but his contract mm-hmm. stinks. Uh, I feel like there was somebody. Oh, John Collins with the with. I don't know how real any of that is, but if John Collins is on the market, I mean, obviously he would be the number one out of all those guys. Like if yeah. you can go get someone, John Collins is the guy. But you're definitely you're gonna have to give up a lot. I would say you know. Yeah. P- oh, to- PJ Tucker is the other guy mm-hmm. that a lot of people are thinking won't be in Houston for much longer. Uh, he, I mean, he, he's, it's crazy. Like Houston's just getting rid of all these guys and PJ Tucker, like vocally, it seemed like before the season was like, I don't want to be here anymore. Yeah. Uh, oh, what a, you know, so the, this next couple, this next month or so before deadline and whenever all these guys start, it should start getting interesting, at least for the contending teams. Mm-hmm. Cause now we're going to see what these teams are trying to, are starting to shape up as for the playoffs, you know? Like yeah. we kind of known this isn't what the Nets exactly are going to look like for the playoffs. Heat are probably going to look a little different, and now it's starting to come into picture. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, the only other thing I wanted to bring up, we, we don't. We'll talk about the Heat. They play tomorrow, so we can talk about them tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Wizards, they've won four in a row, and like they're the thirteenth. I said, remember, I was saying like four through thirteen. They're thirteen right now, but. I mean, they, 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 in the, in the loss column, which is all I really look at because they've had a lot of postponements. They're only two games out of the playoffs in the loss column. They have 17 losses. The Hornets who are in the eight seed right now have 15 losses. Like all of a sudden the wizards. And when you, when you're talking about Brad Beal and Russell Westbrook seemingly starting to accept his role a little bit more on that team and Bertans is healthy and Mo Wagner is healthy and Rui Hachimura is healthy. Like, Maybe this team actually could be a playoff team all of a sudden. We said it before the season started. Was like well, we said they were top four. <laughs> we were top yeah. four or five. I, I I was I was positive that this was this team was going to be over five hundred. I made a pretty significant bet on it, and then they just started out so god awful. Um, now I'm looking at the box. Russell Westbrook took one three pointer last night. Let mm-hmm. me see what he took. Like, let me also point this out. The Raptors also have 15 losses and they're the five seed. So they're in the loss column. The Wizards are only two games behind the five seed right now. I, I just, I got to think this, this little spurt by the, the Wizards has to do with Russell Westbrook accepting more of a, or a different role and not shooting like, and that would be amazing for them. Cause I just, I never thought they were this bad. Like I never thought they were like bottom of the East bad. So yeah, I mean, if they, they can turn around, good, good for them. I mean, I still, as much as I, like, kind of bash on Russell Westbrook, I still like him. Like, I've always liked him as a player. Yeah, he's a competitor. I mean, I think everyone kind of likes his competitiveness. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never disliked him necessarily. I've always thought he was super overrated because he can't shoot. So it was like one of those things where when he went on that run of triple doubles and everyone was talking about how he's a top five player and this and that, I've always valued shooting. I think most people have, but I've always valued it more than just about anything. And he, he's never been able to. So it was always one of those things where just like Giannis, just like I'm worried about with Zion, where it was always like, yes, this guy is obviously a great player. This obviously is a hall of fame guy, 
But if you're trying to win a championship, he can't be your best player because you can't count on him at the end of a game. And it's right. always been that way. And mm-hmm. that's why, obviously, when he was with Kevin Durant, they were a championship contender. When he wasn't, they weren't. They're just a playoff team. That's not a knock. I, I, I think people take me saying these kind of things about Russell Westbrook over his career of me being a hater and me knocking him. I'm not knocking him. And not everybody is the best player on a championship team. There's very few of them, in fact. Mm-hmm. And if you just can't shoot, then you're not one of them. And he never really has been. It doesn't mean he's not a good player. And playing with Brad Beal, Brad Beal maybe potentially could be one of those guys, at least as a scorer. I mean, there's very few that can do what he's what he can. Yeah, we don't know yet because he's, ne- he's never <laughs> never been on a good team. To get the, yeah. yeah. Well, he's been on some playoff teams, but mm-hmm. but when he was very, pretty young, very young at that point, I think. Yeah. Um, last stat of the night, I think, uh, in February, Russell Westbrook is shooting 14 percent from three. So. <laughs> but he's taking a lot less. So that's good. Yeah. So basically the change is not that he's shooting better. It's he's shooting less. Yeah. The, the, the East is starting to get interesting. Like a lot of teams are starting to win games. Like the magic of one, three in a row, the heat have now won the heat for all. And again, we'll talk about them more tomorrow after their game, but for all the shit that we talked about last week with them, with those unacceptable losses, they're now three on three. They're three and three on this West coast road trip and they play the thunder tomorrow. Like they could mm-hmm. They could come out of this disaster West Coast trip four and three, which would be huge for them. And they're a game out of the playoffs right now. Uh, the Bulls, Zach Levine looks absolutely unstoppable right now. It literally looks like one of the most unstoppable players in the league. Hawks, like I said, they've won two of three with Nate McMillan. The only team in the East, the only teams in the East that look like completely awful right now, which is understandable, are the Cavs who've lost 10 in a row. And the Pistons, who we already knew were one of the worst teams in the NBA. The East is – we were. It's, it's, it's good to see because before the season, we were talking about how the East is so much better this year. Like, oh, the East is loaded. And then it's looked like eh, maybe they're not. But now all these teams are starting to really maybe potentially get healthy and play to the level. So it should – an interesting, you know, back end of the season – which I don't think will happen in the West. I think the West is going to start to like regress. And I think we'll see like really the top eight, nine teams will be good. And then those bottom teams are going to be awful. Right. I mean, like what, like I'd be shocked if Luke Walton has a job much longer. Um, obviously the thunder are what they are. We knew what they were going to be. Um, I don't know. I guess we'll see what happens with the Pelicans the, and the Mavericks and the Grizzlies. Like those teams are sort of in flux right now, mm-hmm. but those yeah, bottom, those bottom dude. four Kings, Thunder, Rockets, T-Wolves, they look like <laughs> it's going to be a rocky road for those we, teams. We know what they're looking. Yeah. Unfortunately definitely... for the Rockets, but. Mm-hmm. There's just less teams in the West that we think, you know, are going to do something different in the second half. Whereas the East, like. Yeah. I mean, there's four teams, right? There's four teams right now in the West that you're like, all right, we know what these, these, these teams stink and they don't really have a shot. Unfortunately, because they do like the Kings should be fighting for a playoff spot. I think in that, for that eight spot and the T wolves obviously just haven't been healthy. God, that T wolves news. Golly. I, just, I'm going to check cats Twitter again real quick. That, that's the one I'm very interested to see. Well, I don't think he's going to tweet anything. He's angry enough, he will. A lot of people tweeting about this guy, David Vanterpool. Yeah. Not getting the job. What a why that is why I mean, I, I I didn't really know. I don't know much about the guy. I'm assuming he must be a really good assistant if 
if players are sitting there like tweeting that he should get it, but mm-hmm. um, wow, what a, what a night! Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, we'll uh, we'll be back tomorrow morning, and hopefully, I mean, hopefully there will be more details on this because I don't think the way it went down is going to go away anytime soon. So we'll see. So, all right, guys, take it easy. See you tomorrow. Later.